0: On this special Sunday edition of the Nonstop BS Podcast, we start out with a major podcast announcement before diving into the AFC East and looking at the positional needs for each team in the division heading into the 2023 NFL Draft. Then I give away my favorite bet for the division heading into the draft. Are you sick and tired of listening to the legacy media speak repetitively on the same team's topics, ideas, themes, and players every day? Nonstop BS is a podcast that will give you topics and thoughts about the NFL, NBA, college sports, NASCAR, and others with a deeper vision into why things happen the way they do around the world of sports. There are so many lazy takes from all your favorite media personalities that frustrate you and me every day when we turn on our television or phone, whether it has to do with politics and sports, promoting big brands, and ridding topics of context just to sway the listener's opinion. I, for one, am sick and tired of this type of sports media, and that's why I'm bringing you nonstop BS. Nonstop BS will dig deep into the why things happen in our favorite sports leagues, creating interesting conversation along with making me and you a smarter, more insightful, broad-thinking sports fan. Not to mention, I will give you betting picks for multiple leagues using our new way of thinking about the world of sports and having a little bit of fun with it, along with maybe putting some money in our wallets. So if this sounds like something you've been craving when tirelessly listening to people shout at you, about how wrong you are from all of your favorite sports media outlets, then make sure you tune in with me, Cole Lynchite, and take the journey of these fantastic seasons we are gifted to enjoy for entertainment with me on Nonstop BS. What is up, everyone, and welcome into Nonstop BS. My name is Cole Lynchide, your host, and here we are coming to you after about well a week and a day since the last podcast. Um, and we have a major announcement to start off the episode. Then, as we mentioned in the beginning, we'll be heading into we'll be diving into the AFC East and doing the same thing we've done um, in the AFC West and the AFC South. And looking at positional needs for each of these teams sitting in the draft and going over each of the team's situations and then giving um, some best bets away for the division on how to bet the NFL draft. So before we get started with that, oh, and only have some Odell Beckham news that we will go over as well. Before we get started with all that though, um, the podcast is going to change a little bit. First of all, I want to apologize for the week that I was um, late on getting episodes out not getting episodes out, whatever you want to call it. Um, I was pretty sick this week, and it kind of caused my schedule to go into whack. And this is a, a one-man show at this point. I'm just doing this right now as a, a fun activity. Um, it's something that I love doing, um, and I'm trying to be as consistent as possible. But when when crazy weeks happen like last week, it, it can get a little bit chaotic, So, and it, it gets to be a lot to handle for one person. So <clears throat> want to apologize for that up front. Um, and I'm going to be bringing you guys, um, a non-traditional three episodes this week because I want to fit in all these divisions in before the draft. The NFL draft takes place on April 27th at 7 PM on a Thursday that is not next Thursday, but the Thursday after that. So we got quite a bit of content still to fit in here before the draft takes place. So I'm going to bring you at least three episodes this coming week. And then next weekend I'll probably give you another one. Because we'll be then, we'll have two of the divisions, the last AFC uh, division covered this week, um, and I'll, I'll go over the dates here later on in the episode, but we'll have the last AFC uh, division covered this week, and then two of the NFC ones, and then next weekend I'll probably bring you another NFC one, and then we'll do our normal Tuesday heading into Wednesday morning um, for the last one here before the draft. Um, And then I'm also going to probably on Wednesday night. So next week will be untraditional as well. You'll probably have three, if not four episodes next week. Um, But next week I am on Wednesday before the draft. I'm going to give my mock draft. That's going to be an episode all for itself. So starting off there, that is what the schedule is going to be. Um, I'll give you those dates. Like I said, that's just how many episodes. And and it's obviously going to be a lot more than you guys are used to. Hopefully you like that. A lot of NFL draft content to fit in here now. That my schedule got all screwed up, so that's okay. Time to hunker down and do a lot of work on the draft. Super excited for it. The major announcement is is that the podcast is going to change to an exclusively NFL podcast starting here going forward. Um, that does not mean there will not be content associated with nonstop BS with other sports um, like the NBA and NASCAR leagues that I love, college sports. But I'm hoping eventually here. As this thing keeps going and we grow more of an audience and I I get more of a, a following and stuff. I'm hoping eventually I have a couple other people in mind that I want to include into the show and I'm hoping to have some separate shows and some separate podcasts, maybe even derived off this nonstop BS for other sports. But as of right now, the NFL is what I love. The NFL is what I'm the best at talking about. The NFL is what I know the best about. The NFL has is where I have the most opinions. So I feel like the best thing for the show and for me to have success with the show and for you guys to enjoy listening to the show is by doing the NFL and not trying to squeeze other sports in not trying to squeeze other content in. So um, I know right now we're in the middle of the off season. the draft is it feels like the season honestly there's so much going on in free agency and stuff this time of year but we're heading into the off season. I have a lot of NFL content, a lot of NFL, a lot of ideas of things that I want to do over the summer for the NFL. So it's going to be a really fun summer, I still believe, for the show. A lot of NFL stuff we can do, a lot of NFL betting stuff that we can do as well. Um, but, so I, I hope that doesn't discourage anyone. I know we're heading into the NBA playoffs right now, and there's a lot going on in the world of sports. If you're following me on Twitter or following me on on uh, the Action app, And if you like following along with my bets and stuff, if that's something you like about the show, I'm still going to be doing that. I'm still going to be posting promotions. I am still watching, looking at, involved in all these other sports leagues as well. And I'm hoping to do podcasts on them in the future with people who love those sports as well. So it's not the end of doing NBA. It's not the end of doing NASCAR. It's not the end of doing college sports. And maybe even MLB in the future. Who knows? But it's not the end, or in the NHL, all of them. It's it's not the end of all that. But right now, for nonstop BS to take off and for it to be as successful as it can, I think I need to focus on the NFL, and I think the NFL is the most fun. I think there's a lot of people that just like talking about the NFL, so that's where it's going to be going forward. So just wanted to announce that to everyone that now this is going to be an NFL show, and uh, just just to set that out there and set it straight, and to tell you guys what this podcast is about. I hope you guys still enjoy listening to the show. I hope you guys still tell your friends to listen to the show. Um, But that's what it's going to be for right now going forward until I make any other announcements going forward. So appreciate you guys again for listening to the podcast and for sticking with me here, even though this week's been chaos. Okay, let's get into the actual show now. So to start off, Odell Beckham this week. Such interesting, like so crazy. I can't believe... That this is the route we he decided to go. Odell Beckham signs a one-year contract. Everybody, obviously, over the whole offseason, Odell has been a name. He's kept his name out there. He's kept his name in everyone's ear. He's somebody that's a really, obviously, a a, a really popular player in the in the NFL. And he finally has found a team after um, a, a, missing all last season and and. Um, suffering the ACL injury in the Super Bowl with the Rams in 2022 um, in February of 2022, and then missing all last season and not fully recovering until the end of the season, never really could find a team. First wave of free agency, never really found, never. There was a lot of rumors with him with other teams, obviously with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Nothing came to fruition. This week, Odell Beckham Jr. signs a one-year contract with the Buffalo, or the Buffalo, my goodness, with the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> crazy this has so many implications so many things you can go over so many people talking um, about a lot of a lot of different angles to this Um, and I think it's super interesting so to start off um, as I pull up this report that just of course kicks me off right as I start the show and yes here we go so Odell Beckham signs a one-year 15 million dollar contract with the Baltimore Ravens so to start off with that is a lot more money than I thought a team even for a one-year deal would give Odell Beckham at this point of his career. Um, You know, he's 30 years old now. And like I said, has not played for over a full season Um, coming off of his second ACL tear in his left knee. Um, And he, and he really, since 2019 has not had a significant role in an offense for a whole season. I mean, obviously he had a really significant role through the playoffs in the back end of the season with the Rams in 2021, but Outside of that, he really has not been able to stay on the field for a whole season since 2019. So that that's that's uh, you know four three full seasons that he has not um, had a, been a major part of a team. Fifteen million dollars is quite a bit. I mean, he's going to be wide receiver. He's going to be one of the starting wide receivers on the Ravens. That is no doubt. Second of all, I feel like you don't make this move if you're the Baltimore Ravens unless you think that this team is going all in because that's when a move like Odell Beckham on a one-year contract really insinuates is that you're not, you're, you're going all in this year, which a lot of people with the Lamar Jackson, obviously issue right now that they have with Lamar requesting a trade and, um, seeming to not be able to come to a, a an agreement, uh, and come to terms of any sort with the Ravens, even be near each other, um, on what they think the contract should look like for Lamar, but that, this seems like they're expecting that they're going to get Lamar Jackson back, or this is obviously to um, try to entice him to uh, take take their offer, give give the, give him some incentive as to why they should come, he should come back to the Ravens. That they're trying to build a team for him because the Ravens have struggled at wide receiver, honestly, ever since Lamar's come back, or ever since Lamar's come there. The interesting part about this is Lamar Jackson's tweet immediately after Odell Beckham was signed. Um, it was something to the degree of sending eyeball emojis and and um, congratulating Odell and saying let's go basically. So it makes all of this a lot more fishy as to if Lamar is going is, is expecting to play on the franchise tag um, and or if he's going thinks he's gonna get a deal done if he is going to be a Raven next year. I think this deal to me, Insinuates that it's likely a lot more likely, at least, than we thought, that Lamar is going to be back with the Ravens. Um, Lamar and Odell are are friends, and um, that so that I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not, but it obviously doesn't hurt the situation at all. Um, so, just super interesting where the where the Ravens are at right now. Odell does fill a significant need for the Ravens, as their only wide receivers even on the roster at this point are um, Devin Duvernay, Rashad Bateman. Um, and then newly signed Nelson Aguilar, really those are the only significant receivers that they had um, that were going to probably be have starting impact on the team before this Odell signing. So a major need that's addressed by the Ravens and something that I think is definitely going to um, entice Lamar to try to work something out or at least come back and play one more year on the franchise tag uh, for the Ravens, which blows my mind because it doesn't make any sense, honestly, for him to play on that tag. He would make a lot more money if he did continue to um, demand to be traded or request to be traded and um, any other team that's going to give them a contract it'd be a lot more than what the franchise tag is um, and especially here before you know Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts get their inevitable deals that they're most like most likely at least going to get this offseason so a lot going on here and I think that this is a good move by the Ravens to try to um, temper the the situation and and try to entice Lamar to come back to the Ravens but we'll see where that goes from here obviously a major piece of news though um, in the NFL that we had to address as I think it has major implications on the Ravens so maybe we'll go over and you sometime this week we'll go over um, if there's any betting implications too of this move for the Ravens as the AFC North odds are honestly really really interesting I probably need to Start looking at these divisions and doing that on the podcast as well. We'll have a lot more time for that after the draft, but some of it you can't really wait because moves are happening and it changes everything, obviously. Just like this. So okay. Let's start with the AFC East and we are going to start. Let's dive right into the AFC East. We're gonna start with the Buffalo Bills. So to start, the Buffalo Bills have three picks in the first three rounds. The first the twenty-seventh pick in the first round, the 59th pick in the second round, and the ninety-first in the first in the third round. Um the biggest needs for the Bills are guard, tackle, wide receiver on offense. Um, when you look at the current guards on the roster, all of them have limited starting time. Um, Josh Allen obviously struggled a lot. And, and, you know, Josh Allen's tendency to run around a lot, that that has a lot to do with his playing style, first of all. But it also has to do with the Bills' offensive line struggling a lot over the last two seasons. Um, and, and with no really solidified starters at the guard positions, um, they could use a lot more competition at all, of, at both of those two interior positions on the line. Ryan Bates right now, somebody newly acquired from the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, is slated to be one of the starters along with Connor McGovern, um, a, a, a guard that they acquired from the, um, Dallas Cowboys in free agency. And then they also have David Andrews and Ike Bodiger and then, uh, unrestricted free agent uh, Kevin Jarvis as well but nobody who they really feel good about I don't think going into the season at those positions they've also struggled Spencer Brown their third round pick on uh, the 2021 draft he struggled a lot last year at right tackle so I could also see tackle being a position that they try to address obviously it's been it's it's a very it's a very important position as we as I always talk about the tackle position and I think that when you have a first round pick and you don't have major major needs, um, offensive line is always where a lot of these smarter teams, which the bills have built a really good roster over the last few years. And offensive line is a, a position that they need to address to protect Josh Allen, to elevate their offense and to allow them to um, really take the offense to another dimension by protecting Josh Allen and allowing him to work more in the pocket. Um, as, as well as he does also outside of the pocket. So um, those are both things that I could see them addressing with the first their first-round pick. Um, but then also, looking at the wide receiver position, Gabe Davis has yet to be able to completely solidify himself as a Robin to Stefan Diggs' Batman. Um, Davis is also entering a contract year, and Diggs is nearing 30 years old himself. So depth behind them is needed f- badly, um, and then when you talk about those two as well I, I think that Stefan Diggs still has you know probably three to four years in left in him of being a starting wide receiver for the bills um, but at the same time when he's nearing 30 years old it is probably time to start a, addressing future um, assets at the position and Gabe Davis obviously has shown sparks of being a really good wide receiver too but he's never really been consistent enough i think to be uh, to give the, to give the bills two different. Uh, elite receiving threats for josh allen to work with and so i would not be surprised at all with one of these first three picks to see them address the wide receiver position also and then on the defensive side of the football their biggest need that they have is linebacker Um, they let Tremaine edmonds get away this this offseason and they brought in really no um sure replacement for him they do have uh, 2022 second round pick terrell bernard who was good in a limited role last year. And I'm guessing that that's their current plan um, to start for Tremaine Edmonds. But I think when you have somebody who's never started before, it's never a good idea to have them be basically the sole option that you'd be okay with starting at any position. So more depth is definitely going to be needed at linebacker. And, you know, with the third-round pick and beyond, I would I would not be surprised to see them uh, try to address the linebacker position. If you're asking me what the biggest need for the Bills is, though, on the whole team, it's definitely the guard position. So I think offensive line, just in general, when you talk about the right tackle and the guard, trying to find somebody that could play either position, or trying to find a guard um, with 27th pick, I think that's probably where you will see the Bills go. But if one of these receivers falls though too late, that's an, that that's another position that I would not see them. I would not be surprised to see them uh, address it if somebody falls to them that they like. Okay, let's move on to the Miami Dolphins next. Um, the Dolphins have, it looks like they have two picks only right now because of their forfeited first-round pick. Um, they have two picks in the first three rounds, including the second, uh, the 51st in the second round and the 84th in the third round. Um, biggest team needs for the Dolphins. Tight end, first of all. Derm Smythe, he's a nice player. Losing Mike Geseki though, that's a really important piece on their offense. Um, adding a tight end with playmaking ability in the passing game would take the offense to another level. Um, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle do an excellent job of stretching the field, and they have pretty good depth behind them at wide receiver. Also, but um, if they if they can get Mike Geseki, Mike Geseki played a really important role for Tua last year. He caught a lot of passes from Tua. had a had a awesome year. That's why he went to free agency and had it and and got himself a a pretty good paycheck for a tight end. So. Adding a receiving threat to go along with Derm um, Smythe and fill that Mike Gusecki role, that's something I would not be surprised, especially where the Dolphins are sitting, would not be surprised to see them um, try to address. There's a lot of really good tight ends in this draft um, that I think are going to go in the second or third round. So either with the 51st or the 84th, I think it's realistic that if a tight end that they like is there, um, that that'll be something that they'll be looking at along with the running back position. So Right now, current running backs on the Dolphins roster are Raheem Mostert, Jeffrey Wilson, and Miles Gaskins, and that gives them a good group of players. However, none of them have been able to stay healthy for multiple seasons in a row now, and adding a running back one in the draft would, again, make the roster completely, like, would make them one of the, honestly, skill position-wise, one of the best overall multi dimensional offenses in the NFL. When you talk about Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and adding a run an RB1, like a true RB1, to go along with these other more gadget players like Jeffrey Wilson who is a fantastic pass catcher out of the backfield, Miles Gaskins who's a really good um a really good player to have in basically on like third downs on passing downs, a small quick shifty player who can do a lot um out of shotgun. And then Raheem Mostert is a really good back and honestly will probably be their starter week 1, but he's also over 30 years old now. And he is somebody who, throughout his whole entire career with the 49ers and last year with the Dolphins, has struggled to stay on the field um, for more than about three weeks <laughs> at a time. So not somebody you can really trust to fill that running back one role. I would not be surprised to see them with a the 51st pick. I, I think if 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 you know if the, if Jameer Gibbs is there, or obviously if Bajan Robinson even falls late in the first round, I think Miami would be in a position, a unique position where I think it would be a good idea for them to try to trade up in the draft and acquire Bijan Robinson because adding him to this offense would make it them honestly insane. It would give Tua absolutely no excuse with the offensive line that they have um and and, and then the group of skill position players that they would put around Tua. You know, on the defensive side of the football, I was surprised, but with the the move of bringing in Jalen Ramsey obviously, right? And then even with getting rid of a lot of the players that they have gotten rid of over the past few seasons, the way that they've re- rebuilt this defense through the draft and free agency over the past few seasons, I was surprised when I looked over the, the roster on defense how many good players they have at this point. Uh, when you look at the defensive line, Christian Wilkins, obviously really, really good player. Uh, Zach Siler, who's been there a couple years, a really good interior defensive lineman that they got from Baltimore. Um, somebody that I don't think a lot of people even know who he is, but has played really well for them. Uh, and then you look on the edge, you know, now they bring in Bradley Chubb last year, which he had not his best season, but is a, is a, a good player. And somebody I think he's going to probably thrive in more time with them. Um, still entering the prime of his career. Uh, and you put him opposite of Jalen Phillips, who's been a stud since they've drafted him, um, in 2021 in the first round. And then at linebacker, Jerome Baker, really good player. They bring in David Long in free agency this year. Love that. That, I mean, that's one of the best value signings of free agency that I probably didn't talk about is bringing in David Long Jr. for a pretty discounted deal. He had a really, really good year for Tennessee last year um, and has kind of been progressing throughout his whole career at Tennessee. So um, linebacker, they're pretty good. Then you have Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey now as a tandem at corner. And Javon Holland and Brandon Jones have played really good um, as a safety tandem for the last couple seasons now since Holland was drafted in 2021. Um, and, you know, they have depth at these positions as well. You know, so Nick Nick Needham, uh, Kadir Cowie, those are – they have a lot of – Keon Cross, and they've all put in really good minute – or um, really, they've all put in really good time on the field um, and, and, and their grades and just – the defense is really deep, a lot more deep than I thought it was going to be. Van Ginkle as a pass rusher, somebody who's carved out himself a role – um as kind of that rotational pass rusher who comes in and has played really really well in his limited time um defense is a, is is the defense for miami i think is going to be a lot better than most people are expecting the only thing that i see on the whole roster that i could see them addressing is the interior of the defensive line requan davis their 2020 second round pick um played really played pretty well as a in his first year on the team um but has str- struggled a lot over last season <clears throat> and i would not be surprised not to bring somebody in to completely replace him because i think he's still somebody that they like and they see um a role for him in the defense on the defense but to bring somebody in to kind of uh um be competition in depth and and, and come in if he continues to struggle this year i think that that's something that i could see them doing so that probably would not be i think they're going to go offense with their first few picks that they have where i I said they need a tight end, they need a running back, um, but if they were going to address the defense, which I'm sure they will at some point, I'm sure they're going to bring in a defense interior defensive lineman. Um, okay, let's move on now to the New York Jets. The Jets, um, a team that still has not acquired Aaron Rodgers, but it, it's still sounding like that's um, very close. <laughs> We've been saying that for a little over a month at this point, um, but it sounds like that's still something very close and that Both teams, the Packers and the Jets, are expecting that Aaron Rodgers will be a Jet at some point here, and I'm still expecting that's going to happen before the draft. Um, Just a weird situation, but I'm going into this anticipating that Aaron Rodgers is going to be their quarterback. I have no idea what the draft, um, the amount of draft picks, what draft picks they are. I have no idea what that's going to be for the trade, as nobody does, Um, but we're going to go off what the Jets currently have for draft picks, and whatever whatever, whatever they lose, whether it's... A first or if it's both the seconds um or if it's even less or if it's a next year pick whatever it is um you know obviously that, that stuff's going to change basically from the podcast so the picks that they have are in the first round they have the 13th overall pick in the second round they have the 42nd overall pick and the 43rd overall pick um number one team need for the jets tackle it's sad Makai becton first round pick in 2020 played really well whenever he's been on the field that has been few and far between (laughs) he's he's not been able to play for a full season um as a jet and injuries have just been the major major struggle for him since he's been drafted by them they also have Dwayne Brown who is now 37 years old and showed signs of decline pretty bad last year when he was playing for the injured Makai Becton last season um and then at right tackle right now they're projected to um, have Max Mitchell, their fourth-round pick last year, um, start for them. And he struggled in his limited time as a rookie. So I definitely expect the Jets, with whatever picks they have left, obviously, from Rodgers, I expect them to try to adjust, uh, uh, address the tackle position. It's going to be super important that le- that Aaron Rodgers has good protection if they're going to bring him in for a one- to two-year year stint with them. Um, it's going to be really important that he's, been, that he's protected well. Aaron Rodgers is going to be 39 years old. He's always had really good off, really good offensive lines with the Packers, and uh, I think that on a Jets offense that otherwise is loaded, the interior of the offensive line loaded, wide receivers very good, running backs pretty pretty freaking good. Um, you know the defense loaded. Uh, I, I just I, I don't see very I don't see how the Jets are going to um, use their top picks in the draft to go anywhere outside of offensive line because it's something that they need to get solidified with their situation going into this season. The other need for them is linebacker. C.J. Mosley is solidified as the Mike linebacker, but Quincy Williams um, struggled in his time at will last year. Um, And competition and depth is going to be needed after they added nobody in free agency to compete with him. Um, Quincy Williams is probably going to be the starter. But he had a really bad year last year. Um, And and I I think that... um, you know on a defense that is this loaded, again, you can kind of pick which positions you're going to be going to i think linebackers some of the jets are definitely going to address sometime you know probably decently early on to the middle of the draft um, and then heading back to the offense wide receiver as well Garrett Wilson is a true wide receiver one and he was a massive hit in the draft. i think Garrett Wilson is going to be in a couple years here he's probably going to be looked at as a top 10 wide receiver in the in the whole in the entire NFL i think that's how good he is. They bring in Alan Lazard and Miko Hardman in free agency, and they still have Corey Davis, so they have nice depth. But finding a true number two wide receiver could be a way the Jets utilize their early picks again, if not traded away for Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, I like Alan Lazard, and they gave him quite a bit of money. Now, I, personally, I think that's just the Aaron Rodgers effect, uh, because I don't, I don't, I don't really see Alan Lazard. You know, he's had a lot of time with Aaron Rodgers in in Green Bay. He had a pretty significant role in Green Bay. He never really was able to take the reins as what I believe is the production level of a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two at the Packers. A good player, a good wide receiver to have on your offense, big-bodied guy, a guy who can go up and make tough catches. But I don't think he has the speed and separation to be that true number one, number two. So, if the Jets could find a true number two, and if a receiver falls to them in the draft in the second round, um, another position I would not be surprised to see them try to um, add more players to and and try to find try to find that special number two to go along with Garrett Wilson to give them a, a, a really good tandem uh, for Rodgers to throw to. But I mean, Lazard, Miko Hardman, they are going to be competing for that position as well. It's not like they're desperate at the position by any means. Um, but it's something that I could definitely I would I would not be surprised to see them add another wide receiver. Okay, let's move on to the last team in the division, and that is the New England Patriots. Um, the Patriots, they have a the 14th 14th overall pick in the first round, the 46th overall pick in the second round, and then in the third round, they have the 76th overall pick. Those are their three picks in the first three rounds. Number one need for the Patriots wide receiver. We say this every year, but and and the Patriots they've needed wide receivers like I said for a long time since Brady's been there, <laughs> before Brady was there, like they've needed wide receivers for a long time. They don't usually address it in the draft, at least not early on. Um but it's by far their biggest need. Now, last year they probably had the worst wide receiver group in the entire NFL. Um obviously a few other teams are probably competing for the, with them for that title, but um, I think they had one of the weakest receiver groups in the whole league last year. They have a decent amount of depth now, as they brought in Juju Smith-Schuster in the offseason. They have Devonte Parker still. Um, they have Kendrick Bourne, um, still, who's a, a a nice player. But finding Mac Jones, that true wide receiver one, um, and, and giving him somebody they can really trust in that position, um, I, I think that that would take that would allow the Patriots offense to. Turn into the true, you know, from the pocket passing, vertical passing offense that I think they have a chance of being. Like I think Mac Jones is a good player. He showed it in year one. Last year took a step back. Obviously, there was a lot of different issues with them last year, but um, offensively at least. But but I think adding a receiver and and adding somebody that Mac Jones can really, um, like I said, trust. Uh, I think that's that's something that Bill Belichick probably knows, that, knows at this point after watching last season that if he wants to give him a true chance in year three, um, he needs to address that position, biggest need on the whole team by far, um, and and sitting at 14, I think they're going to be able to get either whether it's Jackson Smith and Jigba or if it's uh, Quentin Johnson, um, one of these top receivers. That's about the range of where they're going to be they're going to be going. Um, so I think they're going to have a good shot at getting one of those. Um, so it makes a lot of sense for them with how bad the need is and they're sitting in a prime position to be able to either slightly move up or t- take one of the top guys in the draft um, where they're currently sitting. The next biggest need on the team is probably nose tackle, and, and, and none of these are severe, but Devon Goodshaw, who they brought over from the Miami Dolphins when the Dolphins uh, actually drafted uh, who we talked about earlier, Um, in, uh, my goodness, wrecking. Oh yeah. Racking on Davis. Um, but Devon Goodshaw has not lived up to expectations, um, since they've brought him over. Uh, and Lawrence guy is going to be 34 years old and he's been severely declining over the last two seasons as well. They need somebody at the nose tackle position. And I, I think in the second round, you can usually get pretty good, you can usually get a pretty good value at a defensive tackle because usually there's a slight run on them in the middle to early first round. And then after that, they go kind of dead. The, the end of the first round is usually a lot of wide receivers, cornerbacks. Um, so usually you can get, if you're eyeing a defensive tackle that you think has a grade as an early second, late first round pick, you can, it seems like a lot of teams are able to draft really good defensive tackles in the middle of the late second round. So would not be surprised with their 46 pick um, if they try to address that position, and then um, their next need their next need that they have is tackle position. They bring in Riley Reef, who's going to compete with Connor McDermott at the right tackle position, um, and they still have tra- um, they still have Trent Brown at the left tackle position. So obviously, right tackle is where I'm talking about here, but um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them bring somebody else in to compete with Riley Reef. I think he's basically just somebody that. Um, both these guys, him and Conor McDermott, both. I think there's somebody that's kind of just veteran presence that's um, going to come in and probably learn the system and probably start right off the bat for Belichick. But again, he's always trying to draft offensive linemen at, 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 in later parts of the draft and, and trying to bring in young players to eventually take over for veterans. So I would not be surprised to see them um, take a tackle at some point in the draft, if not even more than one, because they take so many different offensive linemen And I think that that is a major reason besides they're obviously very well coached as well. And they know what they're doing when they're drafting offensive linemen, but they also take a ton. And I think that's a a really good, a really big reason why their offensive line is always so solid is because they just take a lot of chances on the offensive line. Um, So would not be surprised to see them do that once again here in the 2023 draft. Okay. We've gone through all the teams in the AFC East, and now we'll go over some of the best bets that I have in the division um, heading into the draft. A lot of fun ways you can bet the draft. I haven't done this with the other divisions. I'm going to start doing it going forward um, because this is super fun. And I think there's a lot of really valuable ways that you can um, you, you can bet the draft. So some one of my favorite things to do is first pick by team. And that's actually the only three bets that I have to give away. Um, for the AFC East. Now, it won't be going forward. It's not like I'm just going to pick what position I think that each team is going to draft first. That's just kind of how this division ended up turning out. Um, but when we have – there's a lot of different angles. So, like I said, going forward, you're going to see that. I'm, I'm not just betting this one way blindly. I This is just kind of how the AFC East worked out. So, first bet is heading back over to the Bills. First pick by the Buffalo Bills to be an offensive lineman at plus 340. I talked about how they need guards, both guard positions. I talked about how right tackle, I would not be surprised to see them add somebody. Um, plus 340 is is a ridiculous line, I think, for the Bills. Um, <laughs> I, I honestly was shocked when I saw this. Um, I, I just don't see where the other major need is. Um, and you're telling me that there's basically less than a, you know, the math is not exact here, but less than a 10 to 15% chance. Um, that, that the Bills are going to take an offensive lineman with their first pick. I feel like it's way higher than that at this point. I feel like you know a team that has Josh Allen that just paid him a m- massive amount of money. You need to protect him. Like that is something that is the next most that's probably the next most important thing for them to do um, to be successful uh, is, is to protect Josh Allen from some of the defensive lines that they've been getting shredded by in the playoffs when they've had these. Early playoff exits. Um, I, I just don't see how the Bills are not going are going to again not address the line position, the offensive line early on in the draft. Like I, I think their defense has a lot of players, um, and, and they have way less needs, immediate needs at least on that side of the ball. Um, plus three forty, I think is just like I said, ridiculous. Um, the, the the there's there's a way higher chance I think that the the Bills take an offensive line first. So plus 340, um, and actually, you know what? I'm just looking right now, and that line has moved. It's now plus 380, so somehow that that is moving even more. Um, right now, linebackers favored, which is not a ridiculous favorite like I talked about, and wide receiver is, is second, which it's plus 330, uh, linebackers plus 175. You know, plus 330 for a receiver makes a lot of sense to me, I, th- I think that basically offensive linemen and linebackers should be sw- should be flip-flopped. I think that, the, you know, the only way they're not going to take an offensive lineman is if, and maybe this is why the odds are this way, but I still think it's not right. Maybe they should be more, all, more like all, like plus 250-ish um, if this is the case, but maybe they're not expecting that there's going to be any offensive lineman that they're going to want to take or value in the first round, but it, it, at the 27th pick where they're picking, but... If that's the case, why wouldn't they trade back? I mean, linebacker is way less important um, for them to address than the offensive line. So I think the Bills are smart enough that they and they've moved back before too. Um, I think that that would probably be the route that they would go. So I, I just I think, like I said, three forty, three eighty now. Um, that that is a ridiculous uh, number for that for that position for them. Okay, next one is the Miami Dolphins and. The Miami Dolphins, right now, they're the favorite for them position of the team's first drafted player. The favorite is offensive line at plus two hundred. Okay, I mean that wouldn't shock me, but at the same time, their offensive line was pretty good last year. So and, and and they have a lot of young players at all of those positions. I don't see that as being a major need for them. Second is tight end. Um yeah, I can I can see that. And at plus two fifty, offensive lines plus two hundred, tight ends plus two fifty. I think plus two fifty is right. Running back is plus five fifty. That makes no sense to me. If Jameer Gibbs is there, where they're drafting in the second round, I I think they're gonna take Jameer. And and I would not be surprised if they trade up either. Running back is something that this team has struggled at now for the last four seasons. Um, and it would take a ton of pressure off Tua if they can get one of these top guys. This is a win now team. This is a team that has a really good roster. Running back makes a lot of sense for them. Um, I just think plus five fifty is way too long. It, maybe it shouldn't be the favorite. You know, maybe, I, I don't. I don't necessarily think it should be. I think tight end probably should be the favorite. Offensive line super vulnerable. Vulnerable favorite, if you ask me. And running back at plus 550, it probably should be more like 350. So I'm def- I'm going to bet um, first player to be drafted by them as a running back uh, at plus 550. And then my last bet that I have for the AFC East is the New England Patriots. The favorite uh, position of the first player to be drafted by the Patriots is wide receiver at plus 230. Okay, makes a lot of sense. Plus 230, though, for them to be the favorite makes a lot of sense. Plus 230, though offensive line plus 250 cornerback plus 300 quarterback plus 750 okay plus 750 for a quarterback that should be more to me that that should be more like 25 to one um they're not drafting a quarterback in the first round <laughs> it's, it's just simply not happening happening they first of all they just invested a lot into mac Jones by drafting him two seasons ago in the first round on top of drafting Bailey Zappi in the fourth round last year, who's another player that they love. And and there's rumors that he may even be competing with Mac Jones um, throughout training camp for the starting position. They're not drafting a quarterback in the first round, and plus 750 is way short for that. So there's a lot of positions here that I think are taking up a lot of the odds um, for the Patriots, uh, the, the, the favorite positions, which, like I talked about with them, them and the Dolphins, they're two rosters that I think are some of the most deep rosters, at least starting unit-wise, in the NFL. Um, I, I, I think plus 230 is way too short for a wide receiver. I think it should be more like plus 150 or shorter. Um, I think it's almost a 50% shot chance <laughs> that they take a wide receiver in the first round. I mean, they're sitting in a perfect position, as I talked about when we were going over them, um, to be able to draft one of the top receivers in the draft. I, I think that it just it makes way too much sense for a team also that's trying to win this year, um, that and has a young quarterback that they want to see everything that they can about what he can do. Um, plus two thirty, way too long. Betting that immediately. Okay, guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Nonstop BS. Um, again, follow me on on Twitter at, at Lynchid Cole. Follow the show on Twitter at Nonstop BS Pod. Still going to be giving you guys out bets and other sports and stuff on on Twitter. So make sure you're following along there. Um, definitely one of my favorite ways to promote the show and to interact with you guys. So interact with me, follow along my bets. If that's what you like to do, um, a lot of fun, follow me on the action app. If you like to follow, if you want to follow all of my bets, because even if I don't post them on Twitter, um, I, I post bets every single day on the action app. I use the heck out of that. So, um, follow along with me there if you'd like to as well. Um, but besides that, we will see you. So, Let's go over the schedule real quick before we leave. Um, I'm going to drop the AFC. Let's see. What is it? AFC North episode. I'm going to drop that on Wednesday morning. Then on Friday morning, I'm going to drop um, the first NFC podcast. And then on Saturday morning, um, I'm planning on Saturday morning at least, I'm going to drop you another NFC one. And then maybe on Sunday afternoon ish, I may do it on Sunday afternoon, I'll drop another NFC one. But. Um, I'll get more back to you. I'll get back to you more on that later. But for this week, at least until the weekend, plan on an episode being in your feed on Wednesday morning and on Friday morning. Okay. So thank you guys again for listening and thanks for bearing with me this week. We'll be back in a couple days and we'll be going over the AFC North and all of their uh, positional needs heading into the draft. Um, so super excited about continuing to do this and. Um uh appreciate everybody for listening. Okay, have a good week and thanks for listening to another episode of Nonstop BS. Felt like we had a really successful episode, and you know, we're not really about the saris like any of the catch ups, like where I was, what I was doing. You know what? We did it, we moved on, and